Well, good afternoon. It's good to see you guys today. Uh, you know, I just really enjoy our times of musical worship together. I love singing songs with you. You don't know, I'm, I'm often backstage just standing there singing with you, and you can't see me. That's a good thing. Um, it's probably even a better thing you can't hear me. Um, but, but you know, there's something I was thinking about. Maybe you're not aware of this, but did you know Jesus never asked anyone to worship him? Nowhere in the Gospels does he ask for people to worship him. Now, some people did worship him, and he didn't stop people from worshiping him, but he never asked for people to worship him. But over and over and over again, he did ask for people to follow him. (laughs) And in fact, I'd like to suggest to you that the greatest act of worship you could ever give Jesus is to follow him. You see, everyone's following someone. Everyone's following some belief system created by someone. You may not be consciously aware of it, but everybody's following some belief system created by someone that is guiding your thoughts, your actions, the decisions you make in life. Everyone is following someone. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at Jesus' invitation for people to follow him. And we've seen that Jesus invited all kinds of people with all kinds of backgrounds and all kinds of baggage to follow him. And Jesus invited, he invited non-righteous people and righteous people to follow him. He invited non-religious people and religious people to follow him. And that tells me that wherever you are in your journey of life, wherever that is, you can choose to follow him today. Because following Jesus is not about where you've been or what you've done. It's not about where you are or what you're doing. It's about making a decision to follow Jesus. And I hope you will make that decision today. Now this last week, I want to answer a question that I think is a very important question, which is, how do you follow Jesus now because he's not on the earth anymore? I mean, when you go back and read the accounts in the the four books in the Christian scriptures that tell the story of Jesus' life, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Jesus said to someone, follow me, Well, they knew what to do, right? I mean, they literally, physically followed him. And so uh, what that meant for people in Jesus' day was uh, there was a group of people who, to follow Jesus, they literally left their homes, left their businesses, and they traveled with Jesus for three years. We know there was about 72 people who did that. So for them to follow Jesus, they physically followed him around for three years. There were other people who followed Jesus. Uh, It was times like where the crowds would get really big in the thousands. And I suspect those were seasons where like maybe the uh, harvest had already occurred. And so those who were farmers had time to go and find Jesus and followed him. But it was all physical. I mean, they physically followed him. And then... uh, then we know that there are other people who the way they follow Jesus is whenever Jesus came to their hometown, either when he was teaching in a synagogue or teaching in a large house, they would come to wherever he was and listen to his teachings and that's how they followed him. See, so they didn't leave their homes. They would stay in their hometown and follow him. And think about all of these people when they wanted advice or guidance from Jesus, they could just wait till he came to town and say, hey, Jesus, here's the situation. What do you think? I think that would be awesome. But he's not on the earth anymore. So how do we follow him today? Let's just say that throughout this series, I've convinced you, (laughs) you know, you do want to follow Jesus, okay? 
Well, how do you do that? He's not on the earth anymore. How do you follow Jesus in your relationships, in your marriage, in your family, at work, at school? And how do you follow Jesus in major decisions like career paths and educational pursuits and you know who to marry and important decisions like should the Cowboys give Dak Prescott an extended contract? <sighs> Come on, I know you're thinking about it. How are you gonna follow Jesus during times of crises and trials and suffering? How are you gonna follow Jesus on the way of loving others and finding freedom and living your purpose? How are you gonna follow Jesus like if you really do want his advice, you really do want his guidance, how are you gonna get that? Well, Jesus anticipated this question because he knew he was getting ready to leave the earth. And so he gathered his followers together and he began to tell them how they could follow him once he left the earth. And he began to talk about a new form of communication, a new way he would communicate with us because once he left the earth, he wouldn't like communicate with us physically out loud. And so he began to talk about a new kind of communication. And he used a certain metaphor to prepare the way for his, uh, his followers. And it's the metaphor of a shepherd speaking to his sheep. Now, when Jesus used this metaphor, everybody in his day understood how shepherds and sheep communicated with each other, so they knew what he was talking about. But most of us don't know anything about sheep, right? And so I wanted to unpack the metaphor before we look at Jesus' words. So back in Jesus' day, shepherds would lead sheep. They would lead them to food and water. They would lead them into pens at night where they could sleep and feel secure, often had gates. They would lead them away from danger, away from dangerous places or maybe where there were animals. And whenever a sheep would wander away, uh, the shepherds would lead them back to the flock. But it's how shepherds led sheep that is why I think Jesus uses this metaphor. Because shepherds led sheep with their voices. They would give each sheep a certain kind of name and they would make a certain kind of noise and that sheep learned, if I follow that voice, I get food <laughs> and I get water and I'm, I feel safe. See what I'm saying? And so it, it, it's a way of communicating. And we know that shepherds and sheep still communicate this way in Palestine today, the land uh, where Jesus was. And what they've found, I've read some interesting reports, they find that you can have different shepherds with different flocks and they can bring all of their flocks together into one big pen at night. But the next morning, the shepherds can come to the pen and imagine now these, these sheep are all mingled together now. And when the shepherd begins to call them by name, only the, the sheep who, who, for whom this is their shepherd follow that shepherd. The other sheep won't follow him. Isn't that cool? Well, anyway, Jesus uses this metaphor to cast vision for us uh, hearing his voice and following him. This is John chapter 10, verse one. Jesus is speaking. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in another way as a thief and a robber, he's talking about false teachers. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep do what? They follow him because they know his voice. And that's very important. 
I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So Jesus uses the metaphor of a good shepherd leading his sheep. And, and he's casting vision for a new way that he will communicate with his followers in the future. And so I want to make just a couple of observations about this metaphor Jesus uses. First, the shepherd's sheep know his voice, which tells me that over time and through a process, the sheep recognize the shepherd's voice and they can distinguish that voice from other voices that might lead them astray. And so we're going to talk about how does that work with Jesus now that he's not on the earth. But there, there's a way that you will be able to know his voice. And we're going to look at that in a moment. Second observation, the observation is the shepherd knows all of his sheep by name. And so what that points out is the individuality of the care of the shepherd for the sheep. I mean, we're not just a, a bunch, a herd of furry, irrelevant beings, you know, in this big old flock. Think about it. He knows each of us by name. And that tells us that he will lead us in our own journey, in our own unique uh, path that he has for our lives. And I think that's a beautiful picture. A final observation I want to make is that the sheep follow the shepherd by following his voice. Jesus says the, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And I think what happens is over time, after you, you hear his voice a few times and you sense you've heard his voice, you then know how to recognize his voice when, it's, when he speaks to you. Now, I know some of you are thinking, okay, what are you talking about? I'm going to get there. We're going to get there. But I just want you to get the metaphor that he wants to speak to you and lead you. And so before we, we, we move on, I, I want to make sure we understand that at some place in your spiritual journey, you do have to decide if Jesus is a good shepherd. You have to decide if the way he wants to lead you is the best way. If he really has your best interests at heart. Because if you get there, then you will be able to follow him and you'll begin to recognize his voice, okay? So what does that mean? What does that look like? So uh, a little bit later after Jesus presented this metaphor to his followers in John chapter 10, he then had a, a, an evening where he spent hours and hours teaching his followers how they would follow him once he left the earth. And, and it's, if you want to go look at it, it's recorded in John chapters 13 through 17. Very lengthy period. And everything there, you know, if you know the red letters, it's, it's just Jesus talking. He talks for four whole chapters. And in those chapters, he primarily is focused on how his followers will follow him when he leaves the earth. And he gives them two means, two ways to follow him, two means for communicating uh, that he would communicate with us to lead us. The first one, you're going to see all throughout, I picked just a few scriptures where Jesus says this, and this is the first means for following Jesus and listening to his voice. John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commands, 14, 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them, 14, 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them, notice this, and make our home with them. What's that all about? We'll talk about that in a second. 15.9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. My command is this, 15.12, uh, 
Love one another as I have loved you. 15, 17, this is my command, love one another. Okay, so the first means, the first way we can follow Jesus once he leaves the earth is by following his commands, by keeping his commands, which means you do have to learn his teachings, his commands, and then you live them. You learn them and you live them. You learn them and you live them. And then Jesus is like, he wants to make things simple for us. He, he taught many truths, but he said, you know what? I'm gonna make it so simple. If you just remember this one thing, everything else will be natural. And that's my, my one command, my great command is just love one another. Love one another like I've loved you. Everything else flows out of that. And with this one great command, Jesus brought crystal clarity to uh, the ethic of those who follow him, those who are part of his movement. If, you want to, if you're not sure what to do in some situation in life, love one another. And so I want to give you a, a question that I think helps you apply what Jesus is talking about here, love one another. I think if you ask this question in any situation, any situ, in any scenario, any relationship, you'll do the right thing. You ready? What does love require of me? Can you say that with me? What does love require of me? In every decision, every situation, ask that question. I think that this question brings clarity about every moral decision you may have, every relational decision, every directional decision. I think the answer to this question, what does love require of me? It will help you evaluate your behavior, your conversations, your attitudes, you know, your relationships, every aspect of your life. What does love require of me? And, and this, this one command, love one another, is what helps you keep all the other teachings of Jesus. So let me show you how this works, okay? Jesus taught uh, about anger, and he taught us his commands. His teachings say we need to defuse the anger in us. But why should I deal with my anger? Why should I defuse my anger? Love. Jesus taught about conquering our lust, conquering that, you know, darker desire within us. Why should we do that? Love. Why should I forgive someone who wrongs me? Love. Why should I turn the other cheek when somebody offends me? Love. Why should I show compassion to the poor? Love. Love's the answer to almost every question, right? <laughs> and that's why Jesus said, hey, I'm just gonna give you one commandment. And I think that'll guide you to do the right thing in pretty much every scenario. So, Jesus, if Jesus has already spoken, so I'm going to help you put this together. If Jesus has already spoken to some situation you're dealing with, something you're wrestling with, some decision you need to make, and if he's already spoken to it, well, then you know what to do. Learn his commands and live his commands. That's how, that's one way you follow Jesus when he's not on the earth. And, and you, you know, and I'm, that, that's pretty obvious, maybe, maybe not. But now what I want to talk to you about is what happens in the areas where Jesus doesn't have a command, where he hasn't spoken to us, like where there's not a moral issue involved. How do you know what to do then? Wouldn't you like to be able to ask Jesus his advice and get his guidance? Yeah, I would too. Okay, so, so let me give you some background because Jesus is going to surface a new concept for us. Uh, before Jesus, the Jewish people the way they sought God's will they, to, to know what God wanted them to do in life when there was not a moral issue involved is they would go to either a priest or a prophet and the priest or the prophet would help them discern what God wanted them to do in their life. Okay?
okay? And so in that case, the priest or the prophet served like a counselor to the people who were seeking God's will. When Jesus was on the earth, he fulfilled that role. People could come to him physically and say, Jesus, what do you think? And he could give them a response. Here's my advice. This is what I think you should do. But once he left the earth, and so in that sense, Jesus was the counselor. But Jesus said, once I leave the earth, this is what he says, I'm going to send you another counselor. You ready? This is John 14, 16. All right. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. We looked at that verse. And then he said, and, verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Verse 25, all of this I have spoken while still with you. So see, he's thinking, I'm still with you, but I'm getting ready to not be with you. All of this I have spoken while still with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I said to you. So here's the second way that we follow Jesus when he's not on the earth anymore. We listen to the counselor, the spirit that he sends to us. Now, the the Christian scriptures are written in the Greek language, and the Greek language is a very pictorial kind of language. And the word translated counselor here is the Greek word parakletos, and it literally means one who comes beside you to speak to you, to speak with you. And so this counselor, the Holy Spirit, is the counselor Jesus sends to live in us and take his place as as our counselor. And so uh, if you notice, Jesus refers to this counselor, the Holy Spirit, not as an it, but as a he. Jesus calls the spirit, this counselor, a he. And so... uh, Jesus uh, tells us that when he leaves the earth, he sends God's spirit. Think about this. This is an amazing promise. He sends God's spirit to live inside us. And then his spirit becomes our counselor. His spirit speaks spiritual thoughts into our minds. He speaks spiritual words into our hearts. And that's where this learning a new language, remember, so go back to the sheep metaphor. That's where you have to learn how to hear the Spirit's voice. You have to learn how to distinguish the Spirit's voice. So you've got, so let's put it together. The way we follow Jesus, now that he's not on the earth, is we follow his teachings, his commands, we keep his commands, and we follow his Spirit, the counselor he sent to us, which tells me we have to develop a relationship with the Spirit, like a, a conversational relationship where we pay attention to the Spirit's voice, and we learn how to recognize the Spirit's voice. And I think that's very important uh, because for a lot of my life, I didn't understand this part of following Jesus. Like, you guys know, uh, I grew up in the church, and honestly, you know, as I think about God, God the, the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, God the Father, I sort of got it. You know, he's the creator, uh, he's the Father, got it. I sort of got God the Son, you know, God becoming flesh, becoming a human being in the person of Jesus. Okay, I got that. But whenever I thought about 
God, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, it just felt all fur, you know, blurry and vague to me. Like, you know, I didn't get it. And then I grew up in a heritage where they didn't like to talk about the Holy Spirit because they thought the weird Christians talked about the Holy Spirit too much. And so we only talked about obeying Jesus' commands, but we, you know, I didn't really understand what it meant to listen to the Spirit and to learn how to listen and recognize the Spirit's voice. And, and what Jesus says here is, one of the ways he will speak to us and lead us when he leaves the earth is through the Spirit. The Spirit will become a counselor to us. Well, how does that work? <clears throat> and I, so I try to think of the best way to, to describe it. I believe that the Spirit speaks to the human spirit by bringing thoughts into our minds and stirring feelings related to those thoughts. And it's as you notice these, those thoughts, so many times for me, they're interrupted thoughts. I'm thinking about one thing, and then this other thought comes in, and I get these feelings related to it, and I've, I've learned to pay attention to that. And I'll just pause and say, okay, Lord, are, are you saying something to me? And my prayer is basically, Lord, I want to know your will in all things, not my will, but your will be done. That's what Jesus prayed in the, uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. I want my thoughts to be lined up with your thoughts. I want my desires to be lined up with your desires. Remember when Jesus taught people the model prayer? You remember how it goes? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's that prayer about? Lord, I want to get my life lined up with your life. I want your will to be done, not my will to be done. So guide my thoughts toward your thoughts. Guide my desires toward your desires. See how that works? And I think that God's Spirit leads us, the Holy Spirit leads us by speaking to our spirits, by bringing thoughts into our minds that are in line with God's desires for our lives. So let me, let me see if I can tie this together. So if you have a life situation or a decision or, some, or a relation, relational issue <clears throat> and you want to follow Jesus, if Jesus has already spoken to the issue, then it's pretty clear what you ought to do. Do whatever Jesus said, you know? Follow Jesus, follow his teachings in that area. And I think that will give you clarity and, and know that, that where, where Jesus doesn't speak to some issue, then follow the spirit. So you follow the teachings, follow the spirit. Listen to his commands, listen to his counselor. And know that the spirit will never lead you to go against any of the commands of Jesus. They go together. The commands and the counselor go together. They're taking you in one direction. So let me see if I can give you some practical uh, steps on, on how to do this. So, so let me give you a scenario that happens often. Let's just admit that it does. So let's take a, a, a married couple. So you're married. And frankly, if you could be honest, things have gotten a little bit tense at home. They had some conflict. And in fact, maybe even some separation, some some you know, division between you, if you could be honest. And, and you, you met this person at work. And you're starting to have feelings for this person at work. And you know what I've had people tell me? I've been a pastor for 30 years. I've had people tell me, you know, pastor, I think the spirit of God is, is telling me I married the wrong person. I, because I'm having feelings, Mary, I'm having feelings for this other person. I think I married the wrong person. And I just want to go, okay, that's not the spirit talking. <laughs> and Jesus speaks something about that situation. In Matthew 19, Jesus said this about the marriage relationship. God created it, 
And God's intention is that two people would become one and that what God puts together, no person should separate. So, follow with me. So what does love require in this situation? You know what love requires? Pursue oneness with your spouse. Let's just be honest. Hey, I've been married for over 35 years. There are seasons where things can get tense. It's okay. It really is. But when you get in those seasons, that's where what love requires makes a big difference. I mean, everybody can, it's easy to love someone when it's easy to love them. It's a choice when it's a little bit harder at times to love them. And if you choose to love, to push through, to pursue unity and oneness, it'll make your bond even stronger than it was before. And it's a beautiful thing. So you see how the, the commands Jesus commands, they guide us. What, what, what does love require? I think love requires that you pursue oneness and maybe even get a, like a physical counselor to help you. It's okay. I've, I've been to physical counselors, you know, like for myself. <clears throat> but I think love also probably requires that you create some separation between you and that person you're attracted to. No? I'm trying to be practical here, guys. All right, that's his commands. What about an, so let me give you a scenario where there's, it's not a moral issue. What about an area where you have some freedom, maybe a career path, educational choice, uh, even who to marry, something like that? Like, you know, I'm thinking about someone. Okay, so I think in a lot of those areas, we have way more freedom than you might expect. I think, I think, uh, I think where God does have a preference, he'll guide us, he'll speak to us. But in most cases, I like what the, the, the great Christian leader uh, centuries, centuries ago, Augustine, you ever heard of him? This was his mantra for people trying to discern God's will. He said, hey, look, love God, do what you please. And that's the love principle again. Love God and do what you please. If, if, if what you want to do is born out of a love for God and a love for others, it'll probably be the right thing. But if God does have a preference, listen to his spirit. So let me give you an example from my life. So when I graduated from uh, high school, my plan was to become an architect. Uh, I, I'd won a citywide contest uh, in architecture here in San Antonio, and I was, uh, I loved it. I loved designing houses, and not the lame, dorky houses, but cool houses. And uh, and uh, my plan was to go to Texas A&M and become, you know, become an architect and build cool houses in my life. And and oh, and I was really good in math. And and so that was my plan. And but I was also praying and wanting to know God's will for my life. I wanted to follow Him, you know, His, his path for me. And as I was praying about all of these matters. I began to have these thoughts and desires to consider becoming a pastor. And what was interesting to me about those thoughts is nobody in my immediate family had ever been a pastor. So it wasn't like I had an example that I was thinking about. In fact, I wasn't thinking about it. I was thinking about building cool houses. But the more I prayed about it, I prayed and I, just, I said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Let my thoughts be aligned with your th- thoughts. Let my desires be aligned with your desires. And the more I prayed about it, the more I, more I had a desire in my heart to become a pastor. And I ended up making a decision, obviously, to become a pastor. Went to seminary, changed my plans. And be honest, there have been, there have been some challenges along the way. There have been problems. There have even been times where, honestly, I thought about quitting uh, when it gets really hard. But along the way, I have experienced the the joy, the excitement of seeing people whose lives have been touched by God. I've seen relationships healed. 
I've seen people uh, begin to experience a sense of joy in their life. And I've got to be a part of that. And let me, you don't have to be a pastor to do what I've done. That's just what he wanted me to do. And I think the best decision I've ever made was a decision to follow Jesus. And as I wrap up this series, I wanna, I wanna finish by uh, answering one final question, which is why should we follow Jesus? Why should we do it? I mean, sometimes it's gonna be hard. Why should we follow Jesus? Well, in the same conversation that Jesus had with his disciples about telling them how to follow him, he also told them why. So cool. This is uh, 1511. Jesus said, I have told you these things. These things, which is how to follow me when I leave the earth. Uh, obey my commands, keep my commandments, follow my teachings, and I'm going to send you the counselor, the spirit. But why should you follow me? Why should you follow my commands? Why should you listen to the Holy Spirit? I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You see, you can know joy in this life. And not just any kind of joy. You can know his joy. Think about that. You can experience joy like the Son of God does. And when you experience that kind of joy, your joy will be complete. And that's why I think you ought to follow Jesus. Let's pray together. First, I want to pray for um, those of you who would say, Pastor, I, I am following Jesus. I've been following Jesus. So Lord, my prayer for us who have been following you is that you would give us uh, clarity about the next season uh, in our journey, the next step of faith you want us to take. Uh, maybe some of us have been wrestling with a decision. And we simply say, Lord, we want to hear your, we want to listen to your voice. We want to hear your spirit guide us. Um, and so maybe you would even now, Lord, lead a few people, bring some thoughts into their minds in line with your spirit. Stir some desires in line with your desires, Lord. Thank you. And then, Lord, I pray for those who have not decided to follow you. And I invite you uh, if that's you, I, I, want you wanna, I, I want you to know you're welcome here. Even if you don't follow him, you're welcome here. But if you're ready to follow Jesus, uh, maybe you would just whisper this prayer. I'll lead you through it. Jesus, I think you're there. And I want to follow you. I don't know all that that means. But today, I make a decision. I decide to follow Jesus. And Lord, my prayer is that for those who have prayed that with me, that, um, that you would speak to them. And I pray that as they begin to learn your teachings, that your teachings would uh, shape their souls and would bring healing in their souls and would bring healing in their relationships and would give them a sense of purpose and vision for life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.